From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Wake up! What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, an interview with FSU Hall of Famer, Pro Bowler, All-Pro Rodney Hudson, practice observations from Wednesday, and how's this Boston College game going to play out with this weather going on? Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. CPTallyBar.com is the website. 2475 Appalachian Parkway, the physical address. Monday through Friday, daily lunch specials from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. And on Thursdays, get you a cheesesteak sandwich. Chicken or steak comes the side dish of your choice. Straight fries, curly fries, onion rings, potato salad, coleslaw, broccoli, side salad, tater tots, or freshly cooked potato chips. $8.99 for one of those and that delicious cheesesteak sandwich at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Check it out. And don't forget, later tonight, bingo, 7 p.m. Thursday night bingo. Test your bingo skills to win drinks and prizes and cash at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Warchant.com, your ultimate symbol sports source. Five-star rating review, thumbs up, all that good stuff. Uh, stay connected as we get ready for this Boston College game. Uh, nonetheless, Corey, let us, uh, let's us let talk about practice, right? Practice. Uh, practice. I, I got a sheet of observations here. Uh, we were able to speak to Coach Norvell, select the players after practice, go check all that stuff out. I, I, don't, I don't blame him. He, he seems unbothered by the, the potential weather uh, event that might be hitting the, the new, uh, new England area, I guess you could say. Uh, I don't know. Last time, our guy Matt, uh, Matt Lassere, shout out Matt Lassere, was saying that apparently it, it somehow maybe knocked over to the west a little bit, so it looks like maybe Boston's more in harm's way, if you will. So I think it's – no, actually, I think that's reverse. I okay. think that might have been the case um, Wednesday morning, but oh. I think as it shifted – and again, it changes every hour, so it's right. crazy for us to, you know, we're recording in the afternoon or early evening, and it's you guys are gonna be listening to it by midnight. It might be a completely different track by then, but it had shifted a little bit more to the east. Ah, good. Um, which good. is really good. I think yeah. all most of the models do have it shifting to the east, meaning it's not like a direct hit or anything. Yeah. But it's going to be uh, rainy, windy weather, but not unplayable weather. Yeah. And he was asked again about wind. He's like, yeah, we just, he's like, it'd be nice if we could just have a whole bunch of fans blowing down, but we can't. I'm like, what about leaf blowers? He's like, even better idea. <laughs> uh, so shout out Coach Norvell. All right, anyways, uh, period three, that's when they go 11-on-11 11 11 tempo. This is always scripted to end usually like a certain way, right? It's, it's, it's a movie that they know the ending to. They don't necessarily let him play it out. Feels like period three on Wednesday, they wanted to end in a field goal attempt. Uh, really cool part. I don't know. I know it was really cool for the referee, but again, like Norvell's got an idea of how he wants this these sequence of plays to work out. So even if it's it's incomplete, he still wants the ball spotted somewhere, or he still wants the clock running. The pass right. is completed to to Lawrence Ophelia Court, and he's he's pushed out of bounds, and the referee puts his hands above his head and starts waving like to like stop the clock. Meanwhile, Norvell runs up to him and starts you know, windmilling his arm like he's trying to tell, you know, Brady to round third and go home and win state championship for Mill Creek. Right. Uh, and the and the referee kind of is like, hey, man, like, I'm stopping the clock. And then Norvell just starts really whipping and it, like, jumps up and, like, has, like, a conniption really quick. He's like, stop. He's like, keep it running. Um, They kept it running. They know who mm. pays the checks around there. So they, they, right. and, 
they end up settling for. So had the clock actually stopped in the IPF? Briefly. briefly. So whoever's running the clock up there, I didn't. I figured it was a manager yeah. is running that. You know, it's if you guys you guys haven't been to the IPF, so you haven't seen it. It's just this like pedestrian, tiny little clock. Yeah. Uh, that keeps track of the periods in time. Really only goes up to like five minutes. And it's just funny to think of some guy like, oh, I hit, stop, that referee, yeah, yeah. that volunteer referee that's <laughs> retired is telling me to stop the clock, so let me stop the clock. Oh, Norvell's like, absolutely not. Anyhow, they, they wanted to end with a, a field goal, which I think it was, I mean, I think it was about 40 yards. I don't know why I didn't write down the yardage, but nonetheless. Yeah, I don't either. What are we doing here if you're not writing down the yardage? Uh, I was I was amazed by the interaction between Coach Norvell uh, and the referee. Uh, it did not end the way he wanted to. He was Fitzgerald was iced. Uh, they brought in new personnel, and the personnel really didn't even come at him or anything like that. And the field goal was grossly missed wide to the right. Okay, get uh, that out of your system now. And Good then late, later on in practice, as Corey said, getting it out of the system. Later on in practice, Ryan was good from thirty and forty-five. There we go. All True right, down the center is awesome. All right. The play. Uh, final play before they go back inside and complete the rest of practice. Fourth and goal from about the four-yard line. Patrick Payton runs off the ball. He, th I think he thinks that he would have sacked Jordan Travis if he wanted to, so he just kind of pulls up after he runs by Jordan, kind of like, all right, that's it, game over. Uh, but they keep playing it out, and there was great coverage downfield. Jordan could have ran in if he wanted to, I, I would imagine. I think he might have just wanted to stick with being the pass-first cerebral yeah. quarterback that he is now. Uh, but he finds Johnny Wilson open in the back of the end zone, and the the ball just goes through Johnny's whole being. It just okay. I don't know how it, just, it went through his entire being. So defense wins that one. We put it down as a drop. One on ones, uh, absolutely a great sort of hand eye coordination out of Hakeem Williams on a deep ball that was underthrown. Don't know who under underthrew it. And I was like, Corey would want me to know. So the, the next two plays, I, I think I figured them out. Yeah, at I'm least. not good about tracking the quarterbacks either. I'm always kind of – and, I, you know, the catches are important, but I really right. just want to see who wins the rep yeah. more so than the, the who throws the ball as the quarterback. But I should keep more uh, – I should be more in tune to who's throwing the passes. So deep arcing ball down the sideline, and it's it's Hakeem, and he's got Azaria on him. Azaria, the ball's underthrown. Azaria pulls the brakes up, and it looks like he's going to bat it down. He swats at it, but – I don't know if he missed or if Hakeem timed it up to where he snatched it before Azari could complete like his motion to paw it away. But Hakeem comes down with the catch. It was it was incredible. It goes from oh man, what a horrible throw. That's a pick to fantastic catch. And again, we do see Hakeem doing increased you know playmaking out there, but it, it still tends to be against players that aren't on scholarship. Frankly, this time it was. Yeah. Uh, very next play. Uh, Destin is being locked down by Greedy, but like the last three yards on this deep route court, which is, I think at one time I said on the show, like Destin doesn't seem like a burner to me. Uh, but man, in terms of like game speed, like the last three yards, he had to have it. Like the last three yards, that ball was coming down. Destin found a different gear, was able to get enough distance from Greedy, extends his hands out, caught it in stride. Beautiful throw and catch. Okay. Um, All right. Later on, uh, Kevin Knowles, who's had a really great week of practice, he might have been the, the player of the day for me on Wednesday, tips the ball to himself in coverage of Biscuit. He is mm. he is guarding Marquiston Douglas, climbs a ladder, tips the ball to himself, interception. Uh, A.J. Duffy threw that one. I marked that one down. 
So there's that one. Okay. Uh, And then Johnny bounces back. Beautiful corner catch, uh, corner post uh, with Shaheem in coverage. And Johnny just, he's got inside leverage, he's got outside leverage, whatever he wants to do because he's six foot seven. A really nice throw, uh, better throw, really good catch by Johnny. You know, that was a point that Norvell brought up on Tuesday about Johnny, and we're not going to talk all week about Johnny. I mean, it's going to be really crazy to watch this game if they're in a full-on rainstorm. Like, you know, we're going to – I guess we're going to be a little – we will be a little more forgiving with drops um, in a rainstorm. Um, Also, there's going to be 11 people there, um, which is too bad. It's it's their biggest game of the year. It's the red bandana game. But if it's – if it's 57 degrees and rainy, they don't get good crowds anyway. And I know it's the red bandana game, but it's a noon game in a city that doesn't care. Um, it, it just, I can't imagine. I, I would bet half the crowd's going to be Florida State fans. 40,000 like, came out for Holy Cross last weekend. No chance. No chance. 40,000? Oh, Holy- is Holy Cross in Massachusetts? Yeah, Isn't I think it? they're in Boston. Or they're oh, well, that Boston makes more area. sense then, yeah. right? Yeah. The Holy War. Um, but, uh, yeah, but I, I can't imagine if it's going to be bad weather that it's going to be a, anything like a normal, even a normal Boston College crowd. But the point being, going back to what Norvell said, and it's the truth, Johnny's doing really good job on his routes. Mm-hmm. He gets open, man, and it's, you know, it's it's funny. We were talking with Jeff about, um, uh, you know, every time we talk about Johnny on headlines, it gets into some stupid argument, but um, – you know, and he was like, you know, Johnny isn't a guy that burns by people. He's covered. Uh, he he's he's not hard to cover. And it's like, well, that's that mm. depends depends on your definition of cover. Yeah. Like he's not ever covered. Right. The Oklahoma kid was covering him last year at the end of the game. That was good coverage. What did it matter? Mm. He's either going to catch it or not. But it's all what you try to do is almost futile. It doesn't matter. But the point being. It is odd that in the LSU game and in the Southern Miss game, well, there was one that was a contested catch. Johnny does a really good job of getting open. Hmm. Like, as a guy that doesn't – he's not a burner. Absolutely. He's yeah. not He's yeah. not 4-3, but I think he just – those strides get up on you so quick. And he – the reason I brought this up is because on Tuesday, not only did Norvell say he did, he's done a good job with his routes, he, he said that on Monday. He just needs to catch the ball. Um, but then on Tuesday, he ran another play like that at one-on-ones – where he got inside, I don't even know what you, I guess you'd call it inside leverage on whoever was covering him. It might have been Shaheem then, too. And his body just keeps the DB from ever being able to gain ground because he's too big. So once he, once he kind of gets you his butt on your, on your, uh, you know, I don't know, your abdomen, once he's in that position, like he's almost blocking out as yeah. a rebounder, you can't do anything. You can't catch back up because nope. he's just too big and those strides are too long to get around him. So once he gets inside you or over the top of you, it's really hard to catch back up. And he did a really good job on this play in particular of kind of slowing down to make sure the guy couldn't, like almost putting his back into the defender to then reach out and catch it. So anyway, he's got a lot of stuff to work with. You just, you know, you hope he can continue to, or at least through this week, continue to catch the ball. Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned it. He does not move like a six foot seven guy. I think so much of what we imagine his catches come via are just, you know, go routes, just him being vertical, very angular sort of routes. Right, but think about those LSU catches. That's what I'm saying. Those are just in the middle of the field being open. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Um, it's pretty remarkable. On the whole, one-on-ones, I thought the offense uh, was much stronger than when they went to red zone one-on-ones. The defense stepped up. But I I just want to jump ahead to Johnny. I mean, 
Johnny is one-on-one being covered in the red zone. Uh, I mean, the, it's, it's really goal line. I mean, it's, it's, it's inside the five-yard line when they go to this sort of uh, segment of the practice. And it's him and Shaheem. Shaheem is with him in phase as, as he's getting off the line, running his route. And then, you know, Johnny's got an op- a choice here to make on his route coming out of his release. And he, he shook. I mean, he shook Shaheem in such a way, so smoothly, changing his body, pivoting, and going the opposite way that Shaheem was anticipating. It was so smooth. He came out of his release so crisp, and he made the catch. And it's like seeing that, not that I had big concerns about Johnny, but it, it, it resonated your message throughout the podcast this offseason, these first few weeks, just about like, yeah, man, Johnny just doesn't, he just, he's that Greg Carr. He doesn't just go up and catch 50-50 balls. Like, yeah. He runs routes and, and sort of the stuff that Coach Norvell said that you underscored. So that was a really nice play for the offense. One of the few plays in red zone for the offense. Otherwise, uh, Kevin Knowles had a great uh, defense of uh, uh, Jaheim Bell. Okay. Um, and then Greedy got the best of Destin in their uh, revenge tour, if you will. They always they seemingly go up against each other all the time, like the Battle of New Orleans, those two guys. Shout-out to number one, whoever's a walk-on, who defended the fade route against Keon Coleman absolutely beautifully. Knocked it was, away. Was he wearing black? Yes, Yes. Yeah, you know, it might not be a walk-on. It might just be somebody on scout team, but I feel like all their freshman DBs are are, are not on scout team. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he went up against him, I think, uh, on two, in Tuesday's practice. So, overall, you'd say the offense, though, probably had the best day of the two? Yes, yes, okay. I would say that. Red zone, I had two good wins for the offense and, like, four for the defense, but in one-on-ones, when they weren't in the red zone, it was, it was certainly the offense having the better – of the defense. The play was a tough thing to really kind of gauge because, again, I think Jordan could have ran for it. but you Yeah, know. and he doesn't want to do that in those yeah. plays because yeah. it's like he, he knows he can do that in a game. That'll be there. He's yeah. he's literally trying to run the play to see if they can get something open. So I think that's why he doesn't run it in as much as he could or run really at all in practice because he knows that's there if it needs to be. Uh, and then 7-on-7 seven seven red zone when they go back inside the IPF. Shaheen bounces back with a nice PBU on Johnny in the corner of the end zone. Uh, First-team defense uh, kept the offense out. Uh, two other plays, and then Tate comes in with the second teamers and throws a back corner touchdown to Jaheim. So, you know, we didn't talk about Tate enough. I Tate don't the great. Think, Tate the great. Uh, uh, after the game on Saturday, because again, the, you know, I know the first throw is just kind of a six-yard. You know, Marquisen's just standing there by the sideline, and then Marquisen does the rest. But number one, it's a good decision. Marquisen was open; he got it to him, and then the throw he made to Destin Hill rolling to his right, hitting him in stride. That's an NFL throw, gang. That That is thrown the, just the, the pace, the accuracy, the rhythm. That's a really nice throw. And again, he's not Jordan Travis. I don't know if he'll even start next year. But you just can't oversell how important it is to have a competent backup quarterback. Look around. Look at Nebraska. Like, yeah, yeah, and I was going to use the Jets. But but yeah, look around look around college football and think about these teams if they lost their starter and what it would mean to them. Like it, it you know, I think LSU has a competent quarterback. Yeah. Uh, maybe a better quarterback throwing the ball than what they currently have starting. But there aren't many to choose from where you're like, okay, if your starter went down in the second quarter against a conference opponent, you would still expect to win the game. And maybe win the game comfortably. Hmm. And I feel like Tate gives you that luxury and that comfort. 
and I, I, and I might be wrong. We'll see how he operates if that ever happens. And I'm not saying you'd expect him to go and play well at Death Valley if he had to. But if you're playing Virginia Tech at home in the second quarter, or if you're playing Duke at home in the second quarter, and Jordan Travis twists an ankle, I think you would expect that Tate Rodemaker could do enough with this offense to not only win, but maybe win comfortably. And I think he's good. He's a competent kid. He might be better than that if he got more reps. But it's just it's a nice luxury, right? It's a nice yeah. comfort mm-hmm. to not not be an ankle twist away from going to a true freshman at quarterback. Right. And I don't think it's appreciated enough in this age that a kid that's in his fourth year, knowing he had no chance to start, barring injury, stuck around and uh, is putting in the reps and his work, works as hard as Tate Rodemaker does, and then get, went out, which was important because remember last year when he played in, in the Duquesne game, he was not good. Yeah. He, yeah. he went out in his first action of this season and looked controlled and in charge and I think led three touchdown drives. You know, I know he threw one. Again, there were the pass to Vandravius, the pass to, to Marquiston, and those guys did the rest. But still, he got the ball to the right guy on time, which is kind of what quarterbacking is. So anyway, it was good to see. Uh, and then last thing for me, as long as anecdote, if you will, is just, again, this offense being ridiculously difficult to defend. It was a seven-on-seven seven, uh, scenario here, Corey, where Jordan, you know, half the field, he's got, you know, on one side he's got three receivers, and, you know, two of these guys are instantly going to create something that he's going to – one of them is going to end up being open, right? But they're not. It's okay because there's a third receiver on that side of the field in his route by virtue of what these other guys have done, is, is going to open him up most likely. Well, it doesn't. So this defense now has locked down half of the field. You know, they've, they've locked down three of the top receiving options in this particular look for Jordan Travis and the offense. Jordan keeps his poise at seven on seven, so he's not, you know, there's not pressure on him, but this wasn't one of those long extended sort of plays where eventually something works open. Man, Jordan just calmly looks down the other side of the field, finds his guy open, fires it in there for a 15-yard catch. Okay. It just, you know, it, we've said it many a times. It's just it's cool to see it all play out again when you, you start thinking about some of these other teams that might come down the line uh, the further the season moves, uh, you know, into where we think it can go. That just, yeah, man, anyone is going to have extreme difficulty uh, trying to keep up with this offense, with this quarterback and these receivers. So, uh, solid practice. Uh, they'll practice again today and tomorrow. Uh, we won't be out there, but they're still getting ready uh, for Boston College. The game is still at noon. VitaminEnergy.com. Promo code is WarChampBogo. That means buy one, get one free. Free. I've, I've been to some retail shops that's like buy two, get one free. Buy three, get the fourth. No. Buy one, get one free. With the promo code WarChampBogo at VitaminEnergy.com. Dot com. Mood plus today, y'all. Can't you tell? I'm glowing. You can see it through your mobile device. The Mood Plus, just a half shot, which means I get 130 milligrams of caffeine because one shot of vitamin energy, not even two full ounces, has no sugar, it's non-GMO, kosher, and it has 260 milligrams of all-natural caffeine plus vitamins. Energy with benefits. That's a tagline, as well as shake it and take it. Just be sure to use that promo code WordChampBogo to buy one and get one free when you go to vitaminenergy.com. Take a shot. Rodney Hudson, talking Knowles, talking life, talking ball, coming up right after this. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, you folks like interviews on the program. We're trying to get as many as we possibly can. This is a really cool opportunity for us. We're so appreciative of it. We have uh, current now FSU Hall of Famer Ronnie Hudson joining us here on the program on Wake Up War Chant. Ronnie, thanks so much for being here. First question, fourth and one, quarterback sneak. Do you got me right now still? Could you, could you, could you suit up and get us one yard on a quarterback sneak with me? I think I left my best plays out there. I think I left them all out there. <laughs> I got faith in you. I think you can pull it out. Um, can you walk us back through this last weekend at Florida State during the Southern Miss game? It was obviously Hall of Fame weekend. Your class was officially introduced on the field at Bobby Bowden Field at the Dope Campbell Stadium. Was this your first time back in Tallahassee, and how cool does it feel to, to be recognized in this sort of fashion? Oh, it was great. It was a good time to be back. Uh, no, it wasn't my first time, but I haven't been back probably since 20, I don't know, 17, 16 maybe. It's been a while. Um, I think since I've uh left i've only been back like four times you know i've been playing on the west coast for so long it's it's tough to get back east uh during football season um so yeah i haven't been back in a while like i said i've been back one maybe two or three times but uh it was good to be back good to see some familiar faces uh obviously a lot of new faces as well uh get to uh, meet some new people and uh i had a great time how did they uh how did they tell you that you're going to be in the hall of fame like who told you to get an email a phone call a text how does that work I actually got a phone call from uh, Coach Norvell, oh, which, okay. was, which was surprising. Uh, I, I know I had talked to uh, Clint uh, Purvis, Team Chaplin, uh, like a month before maybe. He was like, hey, oh, you might get a call from Coach. Answer your phone. Make sure you answer your phone from a, a number uh, that's maybe be foreign to you. But I didn't know what it was. You know, uh, you know, sometimes you get calls from coaches and they want you to speak to a player or something of that nature. And I thought maybe that may be it, but uh, I just I had no clue um, what what was going on. I assume you're excited. Is it a big smile? Is it a man? Really? <laughs> That's awesome. Like, what, what's your first reaction when he tells you that? No, nah, I think I think uh, I responded with like, "Wow, really?" Maybe actually, yeah. uh, I couldn't. I, I you know I, I I said it this past weekend when I was up there. I think you know, as you're a kid, you know, you love football, you love the sport. Uh, and then you become, you know, high school and college, you have dreams and aspirations of going to the NFL, but uh, yeah, it never crossed my mind uh, of the impact that I possibly can make, you know, at my university. And um, I it just had never crossed my mind that, you know, going into the FSU Hall of Fame was a possibility, I guess. Rodney, walk us back through recruitment. I know it was uh, not all that long ago, but it wasn't yesterday. Uh, you know, growing up in Mobile, Alabama, I, I don't know where your allegiances lied, whether you were uh, you know, War Eagle or Roll Tide in your household <laughs> growing up. But, you know, Tommy Tuberville is at Auburn. I think Nick Saban had just gotten hired at Alabama. Mm -hmm. uh, for you, how did Florida State come on the radar? Uh, you know, were, were you trying to leverage maybe Florida State into going to one of the in-state schools? How did uh, you? you know, you know, uh, actually, I wasn't either fan, I don't think. I don't think I was a big Alabama or Auburn fan. My was was uh, very interesting. My brother was a big Florida State fan. Um, so I used to watch the Florida State games with him because he was a big Florida State fan. Um, you know, I remember watching the championship with Peter Works uh, last game and 
uh, all that stuff with my brother. My brother was a huge Florida State fan. So we watched a lot of games back then. But uh, my recruitment, I was committed to West Virginia for a while, actually. And um, uh, Coach Trick had actually left and came to Florida State. And he told me he would like me to come. But I don't think either one of us knew if it was a possibility. It had a lot of guys committed already. And, um, you know, from that point, I was kind of confused on what I was going to do because I ended up not taking my visit to West Virginia for other reasons. And then I took like, was it was actually interesting. I took my two official visits with Florida State and Southern Miss actually. Hmm. So uh, I took a visit to Southern Miss. I remember uh, Nick Saban had got the job like mid January, kind of late in the process. And um, they started recruiting me a little bit. But one thing about me coming out of high school was people was trying to convert me to a defensive lineman, which I played a little defensive line in high school, but uh, I was stuck on playing offensive line. I thought that's why, you know, I was better. I can make a better impact. Uh, so uh, Alabama started recruiting me like heavily, like the last two weeks or whatnot. And um, just kind, I was just kind of uncomfortable without knowing, you know, what path I knew if Florida State, you know, if it worked out with Coach Trickett and um, I knew he would, I would play offensive line, which is what I wanted to do. So uh, it was a whirlwind at the end, but uh, it all worked out for the better. And your career was a unique one, Rodney, in that you're thrown immediately into the fire. Uh, you, you know, if people don't remember, you started your first game of your true freshman year, right? And that was at Clemson, right? Yeah, it, yeah, everything happened fast. Uh, and, and that Clemson wasn't mm-hmm. Clemson then. They weren't what mm-hmm. they became, but they always had dudes up front, always, always. on the defensive yeah. line. What was that like? Talk about your head spinning or a whirlwind. What was that like? It was much different than high school, I can tell you that much. <laughs> it was much different. Like you said, Clemson always has defensive linemen, even to this day. I mean, every time you turn on the draft, they're getting two defensive linemen or three defensive linemen drafted every year. Um, so uh, it, it was much different. Uh, and, you know, um, like yeah, it was just much different in high school. Were you – when did you realize – because I have to imagine – I don't know if your confidence takes a hit in, in when you're a true freshman and you're on national TV playing mm-hmm. Clemson. Um, I don't remember if you got pulled in that game or not, but I know that Coach Trickett wasn't exactly happy with the way you were playing in that game. But you transitioned maybe a year or two later into maybe the best player on the football team. When yeah, did you yeah. realize that – when did you feel confident that, oh, yeah, I'm good. No, no, no I'm really good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't quite know if I lost my confidence. I know I didn't play well the first game. I didn't start the second one. I maybe started the third one and then started until I got hurt. But uh, I don't think I lost my confidence. I just realized that I had to get better. Yeah. You know, um, you, you practice and we had really good players. But you know, once you get to the game, you realize what things are about. And I just realized that I needed to get better, and that that was just a fact. And um, I, I was I, I don't like I said I didn't lose confidence. I just realized a sense of urgency that you have to play with and uh, and stuff like that. But, you know, I played that year, uh, still learning the ropes. Um, and then I, I don't know. I, I was, like I said, once I started back playing, we actually played Alabama like the third or fourth game. Yeah. And that was like my first good game that I felt good about. Um, so once that happened, uh, you know, I, I kind of struck a few good games that together. And uh, as I got older, you know, I got stronger, I got smarter. I just kept learning more, and I, I don't know exactly what pinpoint spot that I felt like I belonged, so to speak, but uh, uh, it just kind of happened. Rick Trickett is maybe an acquired taste, Rodney. I don't know how many 18-year-old kids want to, like, rush and sign up for playing for Coach Trickett. <laughs> he loves the hell out of you. I think there's a, an anecdote that Corey can share just talking about uh, talking to Coach Trickett and the way he would talk about you. Uh, mm-hmm. What kind of relationship did you have with Coach Trickett, and 
Um, you know, maybe let us know kind of maybe who the real Rick Trickett is rather. No, he's a he's a hard coach. You know, he drives a hard bargain. But, uh, you know, one thing I remember him saying, we used to always meet real early in the morning, like 6.15, 6.30 in the morning. And he was like, you know, we're 18, 19 years old. And he's like, you guys don't understand, but someday you will. And um, a lot of, like I said, he's a hard driving coach. He uh, drives a hard bargain. But uh, a lot of the things that he taught us, you know, not necessarily from a football standpoint, but discipline, uh, you know, and, you know, doing what you say you're going to do and showing up for work and being accountable really carried on, carry me on a long way. Even to this day, you know, I wake up early every day now, uh, even though I'm done playing, I still wake up super early and it's just like I hop out of bed and I just know I have responsibilities and I just get to doing my job because, you know, uh, he, that was driven into us in college. But uh, yeah, I talked to him. I, I tell you what, I talked to him personally a lot more since I lived than I did when I was there. When, you know, college is, college is one of those weird things, man. It's school and football. Everything is school and football, school and football, school and football. And then, um, you know, uh, it's crazy. But once you get to pro ball and stuff, you talk to people, you know, on a personal level a lot more than you may have did in college. Like, like the anecdote, Rodney, that, that Aslan was talking about was uh, it was at the Chick-fil-A Bowl before your last game. Uh, we didn't get to talk. You know, Jimbo didn't let his assistants talk except for the bowl games. So it was the only time we got to talk to Coach Trickett. And I think somebody, it might have been me, asked him about you just because it was your last game, what you admit to him, what you admit to the program. And he started tearing up, like legitimately started crying. You know, he's the big, tough dude. Well, he's not big. He's the tough dude. Um, and he'd only I'd only seen him cry one other time, and that's when Clint threw a – his son threw a touchdown pass, his first uh, pass. Did you see that clip? Did anybody tell you about that? Did y'all ever talk about it afterwards? Maybe not him crying, but just how much you meant to him. Did he ever let you know that, or was that just for us? Uh, yeah, he let me know that. You know, um, not when he was coaching you, though. Not early on. I talked yeah. to him. <laughs> I talked to him afterwards, and it shines through. Like we and him have had a lot of one-on-one conversations through the years, and you know, you can tell when somebody you know uh, loves and respects you. Uh, and I think that just came from, you know, just hard working, uh, and the relationship just grew over the years. We were around each other, like obviously my whole college career and got to know each other better. And, um, you know, he, he knew my family, he came down and met my mother and my grandmother and stuff. So, uh, he recruited me for a quite a long time. So he kind of knew basically everything about me and my family. Rodney, for you, you bet on yourself, you know, you, you said you wanted to stick to playing offensive line because you thought that was the, the best sort of move for you in your future was it 11 years in the nfl you end up going through uh 12 well yeah, a long time yeah 12. <laughs> uh you know two by the way aslan real quick i just looked up rodney's career earnings well right, done rodney well done <laughs> thank you thank you god has been good god has been really good to me uh we won't mention that specifically but like you know we see it on tv you know contract holdouts extension talk and you know, guys getting traded. You, you've kind of been throughout all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. We just we just see a name. We don't know the people. But now that we got you in front of us, I mean, can you can you tell us what it's like to, you know, invest so much of your life into this sport and then the transactions of it all, the business side of it all? We hear about that so much. The, the football and school part was fun about college. What was the, the business of the NFL like for you? Oh, uh, man, uh, the faster you can learn it and learn what the NFL is from a business standpoint, the better you'll be off. Um, you know, uh, I think we all go through when, you, when we're young players. We just think we're just playing football again. And, and 
uh, to an extent, it is that. On Sundays, you're playing ball. You know, you go to work, whatever, Monday through Saturday. You're in meetings. It's football. But there's a business aspect to it where, you know, not only do dollars and cents matter, but relationships matter. Uh, coaches moving locations and, and um, those things matter, unfortunately, uh, to some extent because, you know, the politics get involved. But like you said, I haven't been through all of it. And um, I don't know. I think I think um, as I was leaving Kansas City after my first four years, that's when I kind of started to learn. And then when I got to Oakland, I just had my eyes wide open and I learned even more. Um, but, yeah, man, it's it's, uh, it's it's cool and it's fun to go to free agency and get a nice contract and stuff. But some of the stuff uh, that goes on behind the scenes or, or goes on, you know, even on a day to day is uh, is not is not desirable. I I know you're confident in who you are. I mean, you're a three time you know Pro Bowler. You're All Pro, mm-hmm. so you know you're you're one of the best centers in the game when you were playing. But like, do you do you doubt yourself when you go into free agency? Or do you always know things are going to work out? And you have to have that kind of mindset. Uh, my 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 thing was just to play well. You know, like play well, and hopefully I stay healthy and and things work themselves out. Uh, but I will say, uh, I, I didn't doubt. I didn't. I think uncertainty. I think for a lot of pro players, uncertainty always uh, bothers you a little bit. Not necessarily about exactly what dollar figure you're gonna get. Obviously, we all want to take care of our families, just like everybody. You know, no matter where you work, you want to make more money. You want to, uh, you know, um, attain your goals that you set for yourself. But I think the uncertainty. What city am I gonna be in? Uh, you know, I I want to. You know, I wanted to have kids at a certain point. I was like, I don't even know where I'm gonna be. Where am I gonna live? You know. Uh, you know, who who my new coach going to be. I think the uncertainty more than anything just kind of bothers, bothers people a little bit. Where do you live now? I live in South Florida now. Oh, okay. All right. And L- is L- that – I was going to ask you, like, I don't know if you're 33, 34, 35, but most people don't hit retirement age <laughs> in their mid to li- early 30s. So <laughs> yeah. have you been planning for this for a while? And what do you want the second chapter, third chapter, <clears throat> the second half of your life to be, would you envision getting into coaching or staying in football or anything uh, like that? So, so I've been thinking about it for a while. I think it's natural, you know. You you play football, and uh, we all know it has to end. It can't go on forever as a player. Uh, you know, bodies don't work that way. So, uh, I've been thinking about it, you know, as I got older. And I think what kind of drove for me is as my body started to hurt a little bit more. You know, when you're young, you go, you play, you get up, and you just keep going like nothing happened. And Eventually, that goes away. You know, it takes you until Wednesday, Thursday, then it's Friday to get going, you know, some years, you know, going through a lot of injuries and, and just the, the wear and tear. So I've been thinking about it for a while. Uh was waiting for the right time. And uh, I, I played with Charles Woodson uh, in Oakland for a year. And he told me, he said, well, when it's time to go, you'll know. And um, I, I know right now. So I had a rough last year. Uh, I've had two surgeries this year, uh, one on each knee. So it's time. But uh, to answer your second question, yeah, I'll probably get into coaching at some point on the high school level. I doubt I go above that. Who knows? You know, I never say never, but uh, I doubt I go above high school. I think for me, it's going to be like helping the kids, not only in football, but in life, you know, along their experiences. I feel like I've gained a lot of knowledge, uh, a lot of, um, got a lot of knowledge of how things work. So uh, I think that'll, that'll fulfill me from a football aspect. Um, more than anything. I mean, right now, my, my godson plays football in Tennessee. He's a 10th grader. And um, his dad sends me his huddle his huddle tape, and I'm, I'm, like, watching that and stuff. And just to see, you know, a 14-year-old kid become 15 and 17, you know, and so on, fourth, so on, uh, fulfill me more than anything. 
do you foresee yourself if you're an O-line coach hat whipping kids occasionally? Like you're, nah. like you're like uh, like old Trickett used to do. <laughs> no, nah, that, that won't be my style. Like I can say that for sure. <laughs> I only have uh, one more question, uh, Rodney. For me, anyway, it's actually two. Um, the best player you ever played against, and the best player you ever played with. Uh, I know that's hard because you played against a ton and you played with a ton of really good players. Man, I, I tell you what. One thing people don't realize is everybody in the NFL is good. Obviously, yeah. they're there are guys that are much better than others for sure. Those are guys who stand out, but everybody's really good. You know, every Sunday, you, I mean, every Monday, I guess, you, you know, you watch the, the previous game and you come in and you turn on the tape from next week and you like got another one this week. You know, everybody's really good. Everybody's just really good. And then play with position. Does not matter? Yeah. Man, I play with a lot of good players. Khalil Mack, mm. uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, can catch anything. Um, I played with Josh Jacobs in Oakland, who's still playing. He's young. Right. He's got a lot of ability. I played with Max Crosby, obviously, but I played with a lot of good players. Jamal Charles was my first running back when I came in uh, the NFL, mm. and he was he was special, you know. So uh, I played with a lot of good players. I left 20 out. Like I said, Charles Woodson had an 18-year career, yeah. um, a guy that played a long time and caught five interceptions in his last year, you know. Um, <laughs> That's like a forty-year-old. He was almost forty. <laughs> yeah, I played with a lot of good players. So, uh, I, like I said, I've probably left another twenty. Derek Johnson when I was with uh, Kansas City. So, yeah. a lot of good players. A lot of good players over the years. Rodney, being in that NFL locker room, there's a lot of like you know bets that are made based on your alma mater. Did you ever have to like you know? Florida State was obviously doing really well uh, in the beginning of your career, especially when you were in Kansas yeah. City. Like, did you ever bet anybody in the locker room when it was a Florida State game? They were playing their alma mater. Oh man, unfortunately, I, I have to say I've I've worn a worn a few rivals shirts and hats oh. on the building. <laughs> and you got out right when they got good again. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Luckily, it was a lot. It didn't happen as often. Some guys right. are wearing a, their rivals hat every year. That wasn't the case <laughs> with me. <laughs> and just last thing, yeah. Ronnie. I know you know Coach Norvell's new here. For some players, they you know don't really commit to a school. They kind of commit to the coach. But, you know, it seems like Mike Norvell has been really open to welcoming former players. You know, have you been able to kind of take a look at what Florida State's been these first two games and just how impressed, yeah. and how proud are you to see your alma mater kind of back on the national stage this way? Yeah, I went to last game, obviously, and I watched the LSU game uh, in entirety for the first time in a while. Man, I tell you what, like I say, being on the West Coast with that three-hour time difference and stuff, it's rough. You know, a noon game on the East Coast is 9 a.m., you know, and then – you got the late game, and we're going into meetings, preparing for our game the next day. So, but I watched the entire first game. Watched this game, obviously. Uh, they're looking good, man. They're looking good. Uh, I can tell you what guys seem to love Coach Norvell. Uh, former players that I've spoken to, you know, they they speak highly of him. I've met him three times, maybe. Uh, he seems like he's he's taking us in the right direction, and uh, everybody has a lot of confidence in him, including me. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much, Rodney Hudson, twelve-year NFL veteran. Florida State, great, and now Florida State Hall of Famer joining us here on the show. Ronnie, thanks so much, man. Enjoy that South Florida weather and your retirement. Yes, sir. sir. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. We'll talk uh, the rest of the Renegade Express questions. But first, let's talk about MyBookie.ag, Corey, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, Use the promo code WARCHAM for an instant cash deposit bonus. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Futures are still available. National Championship, Heisman. Uh, There's also a live casino. How about this one, though? Uh, part of the doubleheader on ESPN, so we'll be able to watch this freely, most of us, except for poor Ira, who'll be in Boston working. What do you think about Tennessee giving out six and a half in the swamp? Yeah, that seems like a lot, uh, especially for a team that, uh, you know, 
really struggled, I thought, with uh, who they play, Kent State. Who they play? Where they? It was like twenty-three to thirteen in the fourth quarter. It was thirteen to six at half. Uh, Tennessee this last weekend at home. Austin uh, P. Austin P. That's yeah. That's worse than Kent State, I think. Yeah. Um, the governors. No offense, governors. So I, I, uh, I don't. That seems too much. I, I, I would think I would take Florida getting six and a, and I know Florida's offense looked abysmal, but they're at home, and it, I still, you know, I'm too scarred by this rivalry. What is, I mean, Tennessee beats this team once a decade. Maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they went like, they literally went like a decade and a half, right? Something like that without beating either Florida or Alabama. Um, So, yeah, no, I'm not. That's, that, that seems way too generous. Um, So I, I would take Florida in the points there. All right. You go to mybookie.ag. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, uh, including all these games. So use the promo code WordChant when you go over there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Picking it back up here on our Renegade Express, the questions that were left over. Hugo Boss, I think sometimes people try to leave a comment, get like a, a spot in line, and then come back and you know formulate their question. Even though the thread's locked, I think you guys can still go back in there and edit your thread or edit your mm. post. But our guy Hugo Boss just wanted to say wake up with about nine U's and about 11 P's and just said, what's up to my favorite podcast? There you go. Well, that's nice. Yeah. What That's up? nice. Yeah. You didn't uh, feel the need to give him that wake up that he typed out, though. It's hard. How do you pronounce up with nine U's and 11 P's? You know, wake up. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a long one, yeah. Uh, let's go to the Walking Nola one. What's up, gents? I'm so excited about all the young guys on the team that will get good experience throughout the season. Of those young freshmen, who do you think gets the most run? Would it be Hakeem, Conrad Hussey? Man, right about now, I am thankful we stayed on Conrad and got him here. Thanks for all that you do. Also, uh, our guy Weldon FSU. Maybe this is our guy Weldon uh, that has the, the photo selfie of him in the car. His mm. avatar on Warchan is like Mickey Mouse in a Florida State jersey. It's it's bizarre. But nonetheless, he says, do you think we get a, do do you think we see a lot of younger guys get some playing time once again this week? Yeah, it's you look, man. This game, you know, if the, if it was going to be sunshiny and uh, seventy one degrees, yes, that, my answer to that would be yes. Um, you know, a, a bad weather game is a great equalizer for a for a inferior team. Um, you know, if it's if it's so rainy that it's almost impossible to catch a ball more than twelve yards downfield, well, that limits what you can do. And then also, you know, fumbles come into play, and turnovers are a great equalizer. And you know, I, I know both teams have to play in the same conditions, but when you're faster uh, and better, being in sloppy wetter conditions is it helps the the not as fast team. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, that that being said, if 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 the weather isn't that big a factor, then yeah, I would think you'd get young guys in there. They might get them in early anyway, um, thinking that they're going to do to BC what they did to Southern Miss. I would hesitate against that. It's a road game. These things are different. Uh, if it's a bad weather game, I don't know that I would be substituting so liberally in the second or third drives of the game on defense. I would make I would want to make sure that Boston College gets no confidence at all, and that kid doesn't get any confidence at quarterback um, and make his life. Uh, really, really nightmarish. Try to anyway. Um, so yeah, it's hard to predict. I, I don't, I don't, I, I would be if it's a bad weather game. I would be surprised if any of them are getting playing time until maybe the fourth quarter, because hmm. it'll be a tougher game than it should be. Because it's just a, it's a great equalizer. They don't depend on the pass like you do. Um, if they can, if you can neutralize Keon Coleman because he, you know, it, it's a rainstorm then that, that certainly benefits Boston College. And it kind of sucks. Like, I, I know it's part of football, but, you know, it's just like you, you do all this work all year long to, like, shine in these 12 weeks, and then one of them you just kind of have to survive. Yeah. Like, just get out, try not to get injured, and try to do just what it takes to win, but you have to limit what you can do offensively because of the conditions. Or maybe you don't. You know, I, who knows how, how bad it will be. If it's not too bad, it, it wouldn't matter. Also, I was trying to think when we were talking, Aslan, um, not that this was answering the question, but I don't remember Jordan ever playing in a rain game. Do you? Like anything come up off the top of your head where it like rained, and he was you know he was having to quarterback a game in like uh, a, a driving rainstorm. No, no. I mean, it was maybe like the 2020 Pitt game. I feel like was that was overcast. I don't think it was actually raining though. But yeah, I don't. I don't remember last time Flores had to play in a driving rainstorm. It's been a while. We've, uh, other, I think Wake Forest in 19 when you guys were up there, that's the last one that comes to mind in terms of precipitation in Florida State, but that was, you know, Jordan wasn't playing in that game. That was still a right. Hornswoggle-Blackman production. Yeah, that was, uh, was that 19 or 18? Yeah, that was 19, 19 right? That was uh, the almost the, was near the end of the tenure. Yeah. Up there, and oh, that's right, that awful, awful game. Uh, that's right. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, but uh, I think the what was the what was the question before that? Any before? any which true freshman? Other oh, right. Do you think maybe gets the most run? Hakeem Conrad? Would you say maybe the field, uh, or would it be one of those two guys? Look, I think by the end of the year, Hakeem, yeah, Hussey twos. I mean, he's obviously they like him a lot that he's playing in the second quarter, and he almost he made a great play on that ball. He just dropped it. Yeah. Um, so I, they must like him a lot. So I would say Hussey, Hakeem, and then don't sleep on Nicholson. Mm. I think Nicholson mm-hmm. going to start rotating maybe in more and more with the second team linebacking unit, um, playing more with Lundy and Graham um, as as the season goes on. I, I think he's he's developing uh, very very quickly. So I would say those are your three. Are, are Vandravius too? Oh, just, well, Destin, not, Destin doesn't count. Um, out of the three. Guys fresh out of high school. For all the guys fresh out of high school, I would say Vandravius, Hakeem, and Blake Nicholson and Hussey are the four that would play the most and probably be part of the rotation. It's hard to know with Vandravius, right? Like, he's got – there is so much there. um, But he's got – you know, he doesn't block like Hakeem. Right. Clearly. I mean, he's not built like that. So, Hakeem, even if he's not like a a great producer in the pass game, they're going to want him out there on perimeter runs because he blocks guys – onto the ground or into a bench. Mm. So they like that out there. Vandravius doesn't really offer that. And I don't know if he's developed quite enough yet where he's he's going to be working on the same field as Johnny and Keon. Yeah. Whereas I could see 
Hakeem being opposite those guys and playing with the first team more than Mandravius right now. Bourbon is your friend, Corey. There have been there has been mention of promises you've made if we beat Clemson. I would love to see a list of those promises. Isn't one of those running down the hill at Clemson shirtless after the game? I mean, I couldn't have said that. Yeah. There's no way I would have said that because that that implies that I would have said that in like 2020 <laughs> when they had no chance. Someone said that you're supposed to give an hour number two if they go four and zero. I, that makes sense. I don't know about running down the field, the hill shirtless. Right. Uh, I can try it. You got a cam- You'll have a camera there. Yeah, I remember. It'll be four in the afternoon. I think we talked about bolo ties if they make the national title game, and then having to sing Seminole Wind on Steve Spurrier Field if that makes them twelve and zero. Okay. All right. I'm I down remember with those. That. I remember yeah, those okay. vividly. So. All right. Okay. Otherwise, like, I can't speak to anything else. Nonetheless, uh, our guy Dave in Bardstown continues, I would like to propose another bet. If Deuce Span accounts for two touchdowns, throwing, catching, or otherwise, will you request that the corner pocket put Deuce Flan on the dessert menu, a la Chris Fowler? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, it's not Deuce Span, remember? It's Deuce Spawn. Spawn. I get yeah. what he's saying. Flan. Yeah, flan. Is Deuce it Flan, flan. or Flan? Is, I, I guess it's Flan, be, right? I think I screwed it up. It's Flan, yeah. I, Deuce sorry. Flan. Yeah, you did. You did but I knew what you meant. Sorry. I knew what you meant. I, man, by the way, I hate Flan. It's I made. I bothered my father one time as a kid to make it because I saw a photo. I'm like, this looks great. But then like we made it, and he's like, you're not going to like this. It's disgusting. And we yeah. made it, and it was disgusting. Yeah, it's like maybe the, the type I had was not made correctly or it was not a good batch. Yeah. But it just, as soon as it went in my mouth, I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah. It yeah. just, it's something you want to spit immediately out. Just the texture of it. Yeah. It's yeah. just gross. Uh, so I don't know what y'all are doing out there with the flan, everyone. There's there's Reese's out there to eat and donuts. Yeah. Unless you make a killer flan, invite us to your tailgate. I, we'll, yeah. We'll come I, by hey, and we'll I've, try I, it. I've only had bad flan, so nowhere to go but up. <laughs> uh, lastly, Dave says, I think I know why Norvell went for it on fourth down so many times. He was either rubbing it in Brian Kelly's face or simply showing him how it's done. Mm. You mean Brian Kelly? He was rubbing it in Brian Kelly's face against Southern Miss. Yes. Yes. Okay. Like, hey, look what I can do. Look what I can do. And look what you, I can and do. This is how you do it. This is how you. It'll do be it. interesting to see what his decisions are like in a game like this on Sunday. If he's got it fourth and four, it's only as had his own forty-one yard line. It's a lot easier to do that when you're at home, hmm. and you're, uh, you know, it's a nice night, yeah. and uh, you know they're not going to be able to move that. You know they're not going to be able to move the ball that long, that that well. Anyway, you're going to win the game comfortably anyway, but. If you give Boston College a short field and give them free points, it'll it'll just be interesting how he uh um how he handles this uh, the fourth down decisions on the road as compared to when he's at home. I would think he'd be a little more conservative. I'm not saying he should be. In fact, I don't think he should be. But I I think he'll that's kind of human nature. It's like ah. Uh, I don't want to give ball. I don't want to give them a chance to feel good about themselves in their home field and start getting uh, the juices flowing. So let let's punt it and make him go ninety as opposed to make him go forty. Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he handles that. Uh, you know, our own Matt Lassier caught up with uh, Kevin Stone, who works for the New England Football Journal, to help us preview the game for the War Chant Report, powered by Cummins, y'all. And uh, I haven't seen it yet, but Matt kind of relayed some of the word of, of what Kevin told him. And Kevin, the, the guy who covers BC, was just like, yeah, it's it, it's going to get out of hand. It's just whether or not, like, at what point does it get out of hand? Right. So I, I've been trying to figure out ways like Boston College can, you know, just go total 
ball control, clock bleeding, and and making it like a, a four quarter game. But I still just don't. It, that, that kid, look, the kid can run. Uh, yeah. That's their only yeah. weapon. Is the quarterback can run. Thomas um, Cassianos. Yeah. So and not just run like for oh, there's a 14 yard gain, there's a 12 yard gain. He could avoid a sack and run around in the pocket until somebody gets wide open. That's how you can. That's how this could be a game. Is you lose coverage because he's scrambling around for 12 seconds. Um, it, because I, if they just run a traditional offense, you know, I, I he catches the snap, looks looks to two uh, targets and throws. Yeah. You know, one, two, throw, one, two, throw. Those receivers aren't going to get open enough. Right. And they're not going to be able to run the ball traditionally. So right. Boston College is going to have – and obviously their defense in, in, a, in a normal field, no chance. No chance. Because good defenses have no chance. So – but, you know, if he hits a couple of big runs because he's a fast kid that can move, he's tough to contain, and is healthy by the fourth quarter, it could – that's that's a couple of big plays with his legs is how it can be a game and then bad weather, mm. bad weather limiting your offense and then him, um, you know, running around and making plays uh, in the pat, you know, hitting a thirty yard run here, a forty yard run there, but then scrambling around until somebody gets open and they get a free six points because you couldn't cover for seven seconds. That that to me is the only way, right? Like if he was right. a statuesque, if he was Jerkovich even, yeah, no chance. Yes, correct. But this kid is a slot receiver playing quarterback, so he can. It's like uh, I don't know, man. It's like Destin Hill playing quarterback. Yeah. Like you like your chances overall, but he is going to make some plays with his legs. Yeah, I just you know if they can get, I mean maybe you know obviously you want to score points in this game. That's the name of the game, scoring points in football. But I wonder if they almost look at it like. Let us just get two first downs a quarter to limit the possessions that we give Florida State. Or maybe it comes down to, like, let's just get one first down a quarter and then maybe a big play on top of it. Because, like, I don't know what Southern Miss well, is they game. only get four first downs in the game, right, you're going to yeah. win by 50 points. I just don't know what the game plan was for Southern Miss. Because, like, Southern Miss came out throwing the ball. I yeah, mean, they, they, they saw gave Florida so- State a ton of possessions. Yeah, I mean, they saw something, so I think that's why they went with it, but it clearly didn't work out. I think um, what they saw, honestly, is LSU trying to run the ball and yeah. knew they couldn't. But, yes, you're right. For BC, the key is to snap the ball with two on the play clock. And I, not a first down a quarter, but at least a couple of first downs every drive. And that milks – what is that milk? Three minutes off the clock? Yeah. Three and a half. So even if you're not scoring, you're keeping the ball away from Florida State. You're changing field position a little bit. The problem they're going to have, unless the again, unless the field – unless the weather neutralizes everything, they're not going to be able to run the ball. They're, they're, if yeah. they just try to milk the clock with a traditional running game, they're going to have a lot of second and nines right? or, you know, third and sixes. And it's hard to keep the ball when you're all, when you're, when you're always facing a second and nine to third and six. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's whether he can get himself into like, you know, they do hand it off conventionally on first down and it's second and eight and avoiding getting into second and 12. And then he scrambles right. and makes it third and four and then he can make that throw to to move that and extend that drive. I just don't know how much that he has so in him. He's also like if they run as much as they probably would have to for him to win this game, for them to win this game, he's going to take a beating. Like he, you know, he it's a lot if he runs the he's not a big kid, he's stocky, but he's not a huge kid. Uh, you know, that's a that's a lot of wear and tear. Well, uh, Halfley so. Halfley said like he he needs to know when he's going to have to, you know, 
be tough and get an extra yard or two. And he's going to need to know when he's going to have to slide and get out of bounds. So yeah, um, yeah, I think he'll 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 figure that out early on. Yes, Florida State will help him figure that out pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, let's let's uh, you already kind of uh, explored this, but maybe let's you know touch upon it real quick again. Blue Knoll was saying. Wake up. Uh, do you think Norvell goes for it on fourth down versus Boston College as much as he did against Southern Miss? He seemed to treat that Southern Miss game as a situational scrimmage. Do you anticipate him keeping that attitude versus Boston College? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, we just talked about it, I, you know, or I just talked about it. But, yeah, I think it's uh, it, it's different on the road. Um, it's different in bad weather. Um, you know, you just – if it's a close game at all, you want to make them earn any points they're going to get. And I think, uh, you know, fourth and two, I, I'm, I'm envisioning like fourth and a half a yard, anywhere on the field, you're going for it. Mm. Almost anywhere on the field. I would say even at your own 18, you're going for it. But if it's fourth and less than a yard. Um, but if it's fourth and three, like I think he had some fourth and fives at midfield or fourth and five at their 35. That's an automatic go for it too. Because, you know, it's too long for a field goal. You don't want to punt it out into the end zone and you only gain 15 yards of field position. So you're going to go for it. I'm talking about like a fourth and three at your 44 or yeah. your 39. Hmm. What are you doing? I don't know. I think it's ballsy. Uh, I'm not saying it's not the right play, um, but it's ballsy with a Z um, to, to go for it there. Because if you don't get it, they're one first down from at least three points. And they're 39 yards from a touchdown that they might have had really, they might have had a real hard time getting otherwise. Mm. You know, you're you're cutting the field in half for an offense that isn't great. It's probably not the smart thing to do. But then you have an incredible offense, and you get four downs. You don't have to punt on fourth down. So that's the calculus, and that's the math he'll have to do. I don't envision him going for it as much, being so brazen about it, like. The, the one that I thought was the most brazen, really the only brazen one, was before halftime. Uh, they're already up 28 to 3. They're at their own, they're right at midfield with like a minute and a half left. And it's fourth and kind of long, like fourth and six or something. And they picked it up. I think Hakeem caught it and picked it up and they went and got a field goal right before the half. But in that situation, when you're up, let's say you're up because of the rain, you're up 17 to 6. And you're at midfield, a minute and a half left. It's fourth and six at midfield. You're punting. Because you do not want to not get it. Then BC goes down and either gets a touchdown, gets a field goal, gets some sort of points, and now it's a one-possession game at halftime. You know, swallow the pride, punt, know that they're not going to try to score. You go into halftime with a 17-6 lead, and that's still pretty good. You're still on pace to cover. Almost. You're still on pace to win the game comfortably, and they, they might feel like, oh, man, this could be a blowout soon. Just don't – do try to avoid giving them life. And I, don't be yeah. too brazen with it. I think they'll be quite brazen. I think, like, he'll, he'll need to get – he'll get – he'll need to get burnt twice to start punting. It's weird, though. I was trying to think. I feel like all of his kind of uh, – I'm going to use the word again, guys. It's the word of the day, brazen. <laughs> Fourth down decisions since he's been here. I feel like many of them have been at home. I would guess 80 to 85% of them have been at home. Like the NC State game two years ago. I think mm. he did it maybe against Louisville two years ago. The the games were the games were like, man, that's a weird time to do that. Yeah, um, the, yeah the, I, I feel like he does it at home more than on the road. Mm. But maybe that's just happenstance, and I could be completely wrong. I might be misremembering it. I, don't you think it changes a little bit 
beat on it, number one, close game or not, right. clearly, but also weather and being on the road. I think all those are factors that he didn't have to deal with uh, Saturday night. And hopefully it's not a close game, but you'd never know until the game is actually played. Yeah, it's just one of those things I think early on he'll go for because he'll want his team to get up a lead early. He'll want them to be assertive and aggressive. And as a game, I mean, I can almost say with certainty, I think those situations that you talked about, fourth and three on your own 39, I mean, I think first quarter he goes for it. Like, absolutely. I mean, I'd say like 95% he goes for it. I don't think it'll be one of these things where, like, listen, you know, we don't want to give BC some kind of easy, cheapy score here, so let's let's play the, the field position game, trust our defense, because I think it's, like, I trust my defense. I trust my offense to get it, and if they don't, I think the offense will be able, the defense will be able to get them three and out, and we'll get the ball right back. Apparently their kicker here, uh, he's only kicked two field goals in his career. They've both been this series two for two, 39-yard against Northern Illinois, 37-yard against Holy Cross. Automatic. This kid's automatic, and they won the game. They won the uh, they won uh, the Holy Cross game by a field goal. By the slimmest so the of kids, margins. Kids yeah. feeling kids feeling great. I would disagree. I don't I don't think his own 39, fourth and three, he's going for it in the first quarter. Um, not until he sees how the game is being played out. On their 39, absolutely. Yeah. I think anywhere over midfield, he's probably doing it. Um, just you don't. The way to get upset is to be callous or cavalier, sorry, um, and brazen, and brazen <laughs> early, right. early. You know what I mean? Like because I, you know what I was thinking about. I remember the Syracuse game last year, where I think they had. I mean, I know they won that game comfortably and they were up big at halftime, but I think in like the first quarter, first half, let's say the score was fourteen to three. I think Trayshawn Ward had just fumbled. FSU gets the ball back. They're driving down the field. It's like a third and 14. I don't know why this play stands out. I, it was third and 14, third and 15, right at midfield. Travis scrambles around like he does, finds Marquiston Douglas, who's wide open up near the sideline, and then he catches it and just falls down. And if he would have caught it and turned up field, he might have gotten the first down. Instead, it's like fourth and eight at the 40, and Norvell punted. Like that's what gives that's what makes me think in a similar situation here he might do the same thing, like because that Syracuse game it seemed evident pretty early on who the better team was, mm-hmm. and he still punted right there thinking the only way this crowd can get into the game the only way this team can get back into the game is if I give them the ball midfield and they go score and all of a sudden we're in a one possession game and it's a dogfight so just just don't give them ammunition ammunition early maybe but at the same time that's coaching scared isn't it Aslan? it is it's it coaching scared it's jimbo nonsense and you've got the best you think you've got the best offense in the country you yeah. think you've got the best quarterback in the country yeah. so what's 3 yards yeah you know so yeah i i you know i get it i hear as i'm saying they're like no go for it man go for it you only live once gang yolo yolo yeah. yolo colo there you go coach no it's got to be you only coach once. Yoko? Yoko. Yoko. Yeah, you only coach Florida State once. Yoko, man. Go for it. Be aggressive. Uh, Syracuse was down 14-3. to They missed the field goal. Florida State uh, gets a first down after a five-yard run and then a seven-yard run by Trey Benson. Jordan completes a pass to Toafili, loses three yards, then a pass to Trey, loses a yard. So it's third and 14 at their own 43 he completes it to Marquison for seven yards. It's fourth and seven at the fifty with uh, right. eight minutes. How much to go. time? Eight and minutes what's to the go. score? Fourteen to three. Yeah, yeah. See, so in that situation, it made sense to punt. They ended up getting the ball back and scoring. I assume on the next drive, but you could also see correct. They did. Yeah. You could have gone for it there. Yeah. But they didn't. You knew Syracuse wasn't going to go drive ninety, 
and they did not. Eh, fourth and seven, two. I, mean, I said like fourth and three on the thirty-nine. But yeah, yeah. But we'll fourth see. and but it's at midfield though. So yeah. fourth and seven in the fifty. Uh, you know. Yeah. It, well, look to answer the question, we have no answer. We'll see. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Uh, two more. Our guy, Gio Noll, you know, the question I asked the, the folks out there is you need to see anything else before you fully believe that this team is a national championship contender. Uh, he says, wake up, Sir Aslan, Corey the Great. The only thing I would like to see is how they'll handle the road trip to Clemson. If they yeah. can go up there and prove uh, they are who we think they are, uh, then it's all over, and uh, they'll have my belief until the playoffs. As for the noon kickoff, got to establish the run early, show them that we are there. And the rain uh, is not in our minds. Best podcast in the business. Thank you all uh, for what you do. Uh, thank you, Gio. Appreciate you. Yeah, well said, Gio. We appreciate that, buddy. Uh, and then our guy Gator Kirk. By the way, I think that's true. They still have tests on the road. Mm. But, you know, go back to the last road games this team played. Miami, Syracuse. Mm. Dominated them. Neutral in, site again, games if you want to go that, that Yeah, that but the season. Oklahoma game, they didn't play all that well. But the, the – uh, LSU, obviously, they did. But those last two road games of last year, they crushed those fools. Yeah. And you can look back and say, yeah, they weren't great teams or whatever. Go look at the point spread for those games. I can promise you the Miami one wasn't – Florida State wasn't favored by 42. Mm. I don't even know if they were favored. They probably weren't. In the Syracuse game, they might have been favored by a touchdown maybe. And they completely dominated those games almost from start to finish. Yeah, they were favored so, by seven against Syracuse. So they've proven – that they can go on the road and not only win, but win big, which is such an enormous step. And this team is better than that team and more experienced. So I want to kind of see, you know, again, I, I'm going to keep coming back to the weather, but if they can handle the weather, I want to see them do the same thing to an outman Boston College team. And then, but they've proven they can play well on the road. I think the game in Death Valley isn't so, now that obviously Hard Rock and the Carrier Dome aren't quite the same experience as Death Valley. Uh, but it is a noon game, so you're not getting the full throat of Death Valley. But I want to see them beat Clemson. Mm. I want to see them the offense play well against Clemson because it has not. It had it played pretty well against them last year after taking about a quarter and a half off when the game was lost. But they didn't play well up there in 21 because they weren't equipped to. This offense is a really good offense, and I want to see. That's my that's my test is let's see what they do in that environment against that defense. Um, because I think I think this team, we we don't know yet because this collection of players the, of the 2023 team has not been on the road yet. I think this team is going to love playing on the road. Mm. I think they're going to love going into your house and stealing your soul. I get that vibe from them. They think they're the best team in the country, and they look at it as a challenge. Like, yeah, anybody can beat a team by 50 points in front of their home fans. Watch what we do to you in front of your own fans. That's the mark to me of a great team, and I think that starts this weekend. Like, prove it to me this weekend. I know, again, I just said there's going to be 11 people there um, in a bad weather, but it's still a road game. Go prove to me that you can go play on the road at noon in an awful environment uh, in bad weather and dominate. That's a step, man. Yeah. That's a step. And then, obviously, uh, it, we'll all be looking at Clemson after that. Also, Florida State was favored by six and a half at Miami last year. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, last question. Gator Kirk. Uh, wake up. Typed it in, like, all caps and garnet underlined it. So, felt like I had to do that. Possible question from the people. Does Coach Norvell inform recruits that he's going to recruit over them? Or is it just understood that this is the process? Thanks for the phenomenal coverage. Go Knowles. Thank you, Gator Kirk. Yeah. 
Um, well, I don't think we can ask that. Um, is he is he saying to ask Norvell that? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I don't think it's the recruiting over them nearly as much as, are you going to go get a portal kid next year? Mm. That's what I – I don't think any players and their families are worried about uh, their, them losing their job to a, uh, a true freshman the following year, if that means being recruited over. But as uh, – I can't remember who said it. It, it. I think it was Saban, somebody like that. Is they all damn well? They they know they're being recruited over. That's the job of that's their job yeah. is to continue to get better players. So maybe it was Atkins that said it. Even I, I can't remember how, who said it. That's my memory's going. Willie really Taggart once said that you know I told the guys my job is to go find a better player than you. That's right. I confused Taggart with Saban. Yeah. I always do that. I gotta stop doing that, it gang. Happens. I don't know why that keeps happening. Yeah. It's a weird little tick I have. Um, but yeah, so they know like when you go get um. You know, you go get Hakeem Williams or Van Travis Jacobs. They know you're not going to start stop recruiting wide receivers. And I don't know that they would say, or you would want any kid to say, you're not going to recruit anybody else next year at my position, are you? Hmm. I mean, I can see maybe a quarterback caring about that, but even they, all these guys think they're the best players in the state, and they're going to be superstars. The ones that Florida State is currently in on now, maybe not the ones two or three years ago, clearly, hmm. but the ones now. They think they're awesome, and they don't. The what the, the guys you want don't care who you bring in. Now it'll all work itself in the wash once they start practicing. But in the moment, I don't think any coach goes to a recruit and says, "I'm not going to recruit over you," or "I'm not going to recruit other guys." Uh, I don't think they would phrase it like I'm recruiting over you as much as saying, "Hey, just so you know, I shouldn't have to say this, but you understand that you know we really like you and we think you're going to start for us in two years." But we're going to keep recruiting offensive guards. Yeah. Oh, it comes down to those exit. Yeah, it's the exit interviews, right? Let them know where they're at, where they need to be, and then you kind of connect the dots. They give you the dots. You need to have the self awareness to connect them yourself, probably. Yeah, but I I think a bigger deal is is I don't know if Gator Kirk meant like in the portal because Mm -hmm. I do think that is something that is obviously much more of a conversation uh, than it was that it's ever been about the transfer, uh, like. But that, you're right. I think that's an exit interview. I think that's something like you're talking to, let's say, uh, Marquisen again, or Morlock even. After Jaheim Bell leaves next year, both those guys, I think Marquisen still got another year of eligibility. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he absolutely does. Do you go to them? Are they, they might ask you, hey, are you going to bring in another superstar tight end? <laughs> Just curious. I mean, I'm not saying I'm leaving, yeah. but I would like to know maybe. My parents were asking. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Do you feel like you're going to go get another Jaheim Bell type? Just yeah. just out of curiosity. Doesn't affect me at all, Coach. I love it here. <laughs> you know, I love it here. Or, you know, uh, Azarie being like, hey, any other Fentrell Cypresses out there y'all are thinking of looking at? Like, again, I'm not – doesn't affect me. I'm here. I'm a knoll. Just curious what, what we're bringing in. Try to get a try to get a read of the room. So I do think those are conversations that happen about maybe, or if they ask, I think they're honest with them. Like, yeah, we're going to bring in some competition for you. But Azarie is a good example, right? Because Azarie, I think Azarie thinks he's the best defensive back on the team. Okay. And I don't think I'm wrong. I and I and I don't think he he might not be wrong. Like I know we mentioned him today in the practice observations. Uh, he also had some great plays on on Tuesday too, um, but I, I think those guys, like the Azariers of the world, they don't really get upset when you bring in Fentrell Cypress because they know they're going to play because yeah. they're too good to keep off the field. So just keep recruiting those types of guys.
All right, that's a wrap for us, y'all. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for the questions. Come back later tonight, 6 o'clock live show. Corey Clark has on Hajavandi. Wake up or chant. Uh, powered by Vitamin Energy and our good friends over at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Jeff Cameron Show coming up 1 to 3 o'clock. Tune in for that and go to WarChant.com. Everything you want there, WarChant uh, report, the uh, matchup analysis, it's all there for you. Hit the thumbs up on the way out, five-star rating review. He's Corey Maslon. Thank you for listening to Wake Up WarChant presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.